Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Words are about to be spoken here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, presented to you by the Ad-Free Chosen Podcast Heat Networks. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am by the broken one, woken one, the spoken one himself, uh, Mr. Matt Hardy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I am in Nashville. Uh, just came in this morning. Uh, flight delays, of course, is kind of like status quo in this day and age. The ribs, yeah, man. Yeah, man, getting in, knocking out this deal, man. Let's uh, let's let's uh, make the donuts, my man. We are going to show you how the sausage is made. Of course, you can be a member of AdFreeShows.com and see how that sausage is made. If you're a top guy, top gal, you get those live recordings. I, as I was alluding to before, for those of you who are not watching the video version, am wearing my spoken Matt Hardy T-shirt today. One of my favorites that we have available over at BoxOfGimmicks.com. You head on over there, you search the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy store, and you can see all the different Matt Hardy T-shirts. I know you're a big fan of the Matt Fact, Matt Fiction T-shirt. Is that correct? I mean- I am, but that shirt, you look like an absolute vision, John. Hmm. You know, I got to look my best when we tape the extreme life of Matt Hardy. You're in Nash Vegas, as they're calling it these days. Just what, what Vegas, are you, yeah. you enjoy visiting Nashville? I do. I like Nashville. I, I like how it has the, uh, the uh, southern draw. You know, it's a little laid back. People chill. People mosey. People are very kind. They're, they're a little slower than some people in the north, namely my wife, would uh, would appreciate. But uh, I enjoy Nashville very much. So I don't know how much 
longer it's going to be quieter and slow. That place is absolutely crazy right now. They're getting that brand new stadium, it looks like, too. That I'm sure will host a WrestleMania at some point in the not-so-distant future. It is pretty crazy over there in Nashville. Speaking of Nashville, Dynamite tonight. Again, this will have dropped. or The episode of Dynamite will have dropped by the time that this podcast drops. But you got to tell us the deal with this death match between brother Nero and Jeff Jarrett in Nashville. I mean, listen, I knew being in Nashville, Jeff Jarrett was going to be prominently featured. Did not expect it in this way. What can you tell us about how this match came to be? In the, the Texas chainsaw massacre death match between Jeff versus Jeff. Yes. John, I don't know what the, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'll find out tonight. <laughs> when I get to the arena. I'll be honest. I don't know what's happening. I mean, I think I think characters from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre are going to be there. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just looking to twist the fate, Leatherface. That's that's my goal at the end of the day. Say, I want to drop, drop a twist of fate on Leatherface. That's my goal. That would probably pop your wife pretty big, right? Yeah, I'm sure she would appreciate it. Yeah, she might think you're pretty cool for once. Maybe. For Maybe once. I'm trying to win cool points with her and the kids. Always, you know. That's true. I know you certainly are trying to do that. Uh, how did Brother Nero react to this news of? him being in this Texas chainsaw massacre death match. I mean, he was super excited. He said, cool. <laughs> pretty much how he reacted once we heard. I think, I think brother Nero and orange Cassidy are a tag team made in heaven one day. Well, except brother Nero's like the legit orange Cassidy and orange right. Cassidy is, <laughs> you know, orange Cassidy's playing orange Cassidy, you know, but Je that, that is very much how Jeff is. Laid back to the fullest. I think there's an opportunity for a trios team there, Matt Hardy, should you guys ever choose to make a I'm run at the trios championship. But I know you're not thinking about that because you guys had a stellar tag team match last week on Dynamite with the Young Bucks. I know you were really excited for it going in. We talked a little bit about it last week. I watched the match, man. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved how you guys got into things. And the thing that stood out most to me, was Jeff looked really confident for the first time since he made his return in AEW. What was your assessment of the match? Well, thank you. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, I enjoyed the match. And and Jeff is kind of uh, finding his confidence once again. He's kind of navigating his way back to a very confident brother Nero. But I did. He was happy with it. And uh, I, I was happy. Everybody was happy with it. It ended up being a big, big success at the end of the day. And uh, I love the match. We had about 14 and a half minutes. I almost wish we would have had 20 minutes. Uh, I, I love dancing with the Young Bucks. Anytime we get in the ring with them, it's just an absolute pleasure. And we're, we have great chemistry, and, and I feel like every time we get in the ring, we make magic happen. See, I felt like it was right in the wheelhouse. I didn't think it overstayed its welcome at all. It felt perfect. It just not too cold, not too hot, just right. And it did. I'm not disagreeing with you on that, John. I just feel like there's so much stuff we can do with a team like the Young Bucks, where it's just easy, like – Working with those guys, they're, they're, it's, it's not complicated. It's not difficult. No one is trying to take advantage of anybody else. We just go in there. We do our stuff. Uh, I just, I loved how it turned out being 14 and a half minutes as far as the match goes. I'm just saying I would have loved to have had a 20-minute match with them. Was that match great? Was I happy with it? Was it perfect for the time it was allotted? Yes, it was. I just, uh, I, I would love, as I said before in the past, I would love to have a best of five, best of seven series with those guys eventually. You know what I loved about it most? The crowd just had a good time with it they yeah. cheered for what they wanted to cheer and it was just fun they they cheered for both teams throughout which is a, a strong statement and something i really enjoyed it I, I i love stuff like that i mean it takes me back 
you know, 24 years ago to the first ever tag team ladder match where they were cheering for both teams and, and both spots they did. That was one of the first times that, that, that certain circumstance happened in a wrestling match. And I love the fact that it happened last week with the Bucks, man. I love working with the Bucks. I have nothing but the greatest things to say about them, as you know. It takes me back even to the beginning of Dynamite, like the first few months of Dynamite where, and I know you weren't there at the time, but it just was fun match after fun match after yes. fun match on TV. And that's really what it felt like seeing that match. Did you get a hint of that? I, I, I do. I, I, I do. I, I watched the early Dynamite. Obviously, Dynamite was on my radar right from the jump. So I did watch that. And it was. It was a lot of fun during the show. It was very different. It was out there to like please the crowd and entertain the crowd, give the crowd a great match and let them leave happy. And I felt like that's what our match accomplished last week. And now that pivots into the Young Bucks versus FTR. At All In, two of the greatest teams of their era, the rubber match. What are you expecting from that match between them? I, I mean, I'm sure it will be phenomenal. Both are just, uh, you know, as you said earlier, stellar tag teams, both uh, at the top of their game, uh, bo both amazing acts. They're very different in their mindsets and kind of the way they do business, but they're they're great. And I feel like whenever they come together and they they, they battle one another, they, they really gel well. What's cool about it is that the first time they faced off, FTR were the heels, the Bucks were the baby faces. The second time they faced off, the Bucks were kind of tweenery heels and FTR were baby faces. Now both teams are baby faces, and I think they're their most authentic selves. And you're going to see what I believe will be a legitimate main event caliber match in front of 80,000 people. 100%. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan as I've said earlier already a couple of times, uh, of the Bucks, I'm a big fan of FTR. I think they're incredible at what they do. They both have different styles, but like whenever they get in there and they mix it up together, they they gel really, really well. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that match back. And I, I think it's great. I, I love the fact that they are representing tag team wrestling so, so fantastically. How do we feel about the 3D being used in the match? Uh, I, I was down with the 3D being used in the match. Was, was your boy Bully down with it? Yeah, he endorsed it. Not too often do people kick out of the 3D, but I guess since it was the Young Bucks doing it and not the Dudleys. Of course. Well, I mean, that's the reason why. They haven't mastered it like like Bully Ray and, and Devon. Like Bubba, Bubba was pretty damn protective of it, wasn't he, back in the day? Pretty protective of it? That's I said pretty, pretty damn protective of it. <laughs> yeah. Even pretty damn protective is an understatement. Yes, you get a three days to finish, or you have to lay there for eight minutes, one or the other. Those are like options A and B. He, Bubba was very protective of it, and you know, it's understood. I get it. It's smart. I mean, that's why it became such a powerful finish for them too. I, you know, since we're talking about these tag team, vintage tag team guys, I got to ask you real quick. CLP just last week banned right. his own daughter from being at Collision. This guy, this championship is going to his his head right now. Any any thoughts on well, the, the, the championship that he's not even the real champion of? Yeah, how do you feel about that? Um, it, it, uh, typical Christian Cage. Okay, you know, self absorbed, egotistical, narcissistic. Everything's about him and nobody else. Typical Christian Cage. Eh, I wouldn't expect less. Someone should put a dot over his face. Make sure that might, might make that show even more tolerable if you had a little dot over Christian Cage's face here in the year 2023. Matt Hardy, I know you got a short schedule today. We're trying to cram this taping in. I don't want to waste any more time because this is going to be a really good episode, I think. So please, without further ado, Matt, hit us with that Matt fact.
Matt fact, Matt keeps his hot tub at 105 degrees. How do you even measure that it's at 105 degrees? I mean, it has a temperature setting. It's got, on the, it it's got the digital it's thermometer digital on it. Setting, yeah, digital thermometer. And what's so funny is that my two oldest kids and also Barty, he, they want to sit in the hot tub every time I go to and I go regularly just for therapy for my body because water is very therapeutic. And uh, I'll get out there and they can, can we make it cooler? Can we make it cool? I go, no, if you want cooler, go get in the pool. This is the hot tub and this is where dad has to go. And they go, can we turn off the jets? I go, no, I need the jets. That's like my therapy. That's that massages me. It, 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 it rubs my back. It makes me feel a lot better, especially my hips. So I was just thinking about that. They kept trying to sneak and like turn the temperature down. I was like, no, it's a mat fact. And Matt keeps the temperature at 105. And I was like, oh, that actually be a good mat fact to use because it, it, really, <laughs> it really is. Uh, that, that's the highest setting you can set it on. So I keep it at 105, even during the summer. If it's 100 degrees outside, I want to be in that 105 degree hot tub. Listen, I get it, man. I know your kids are all on that swimming gimmick now. I know that's they, they can all swim. They can all swim like crazy. It was it was more or less uh, what my wife was gone for four days. She was shooting stuff in Salem, and it was just me and the kids. It was Teen Boy. She was gone with our daughter ever, uh, and we would swim for a couple hours a day. It was almost like a nudist colony at the Hardy Compound. That's like we were just out there hanging out, swimming, doing our thing, man. I was just like, oh, we don't even we don't even want to you know wear swim trunks, whatever. We we had a blast. It was such a good time. Hey, I, I want to ask you this real quick. One of our followers, I got to give them a shout out. One of our followers, Ambrose Couch, sent me this and I forwarded it to you. And I'm going to throw it here on the graphic. There was a Matt fact that was a Matt fact before Matt facts even existed. And that was from an episode of Shotgun Saturday Night, where you faced Leaf Cassidy on May 17th, 1997, where your lower third said Matt Hardy had a crush on Nancy Drew. I don't know if you even remember this match existing, but where did that come from? Um, that was strictly WWE production. That was, you know, wow. that was that, that was them trying to to pop themselves. I'm sure. Hardy Boys, we're just we'll make a Nancy Drew joke. It'll be great. Let's go. Mm. Wrong company, uh, but yeah, wrong company. I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, Tony Chimel yeah, that, 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 that's what I, I, I think they would do those. Uh, Every so often, they would throw like just a little, uh, a little uh, tagline underneath the the extras name, and whatever popped them. I'm sure whatever popped the people in the Trump. Tony Tony Chimmel called you Bob Hardy, which was a, a mistake because then Jr. proceeded to bury him on commentary for it. So, uh, yeah, different different way of life back then in 1997. I just wanted to give a shout out to. Ambrose Couch, a loyal listener funny. the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Thank and you that's for- funny. That's that's in 1997. They had told us early in 97 that they had plans to hire us later. So we were on their radar at that time, which is which is very funny, which uh, it makes it even more funny that JR buried him a little bit because he was the guy that would ultimately hire us and he saw some potential in us. So yeah. uh, JR had her back then. There you go. Looking out for you. Okay. We are talking about 2011 TNA. Last week I mentioned in our Brock Lesnar episode, which you can find in the archives, ExtremeHardy.com, that this would probably be a little more of a difficult episode because you'd be talking about some personal stuff. You did open up about this period of time a little bit in our Matt Hardy Battles Addiction episode, which is episode 40, available in the archives as well. But this is a period of time that I don't think a lot of people think about when your career is looked at through a prism. So let's turn the clocks back here, Matt Hardy. You're leaving WWE. 
uh, in the fall of 2010, officially October 15th, 2010, you are released from the company after they sent you home, after you began posting videos on YouTube, expressing your disinterest in the WWE product and insisting you want to be released. A pretty tumultuous time for you. Can you catch us up where you were health-wise, both mentally and physically at that time? Uh, I mean, I, I was physically very badly beat up at that time. And that is why my pill issue became such a so problematic during that time. Uh, I mean, I was physically beat up. But at that point, looking back in hindsight, I just needed to say, like, hey, I need to leave and I need to take a year away from wrestling and, like, heal up physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything. Um, so that, that's where I was. And on top of that, because Jeff had left and went to TNA and because he had found success there and he was doing well, I feel like they were upset at Jeff. And there, there was definitely a part of me, and, and probably I took this way too far, but I thought, well, they can't punish Jeff, but they can punish me. So they're they're trying to mess with me since they can't mess with Jeff. So like just because I'm his brother, because we share the same – genes we share the same blood uh they can they can punish him through me here uh and, and i think i over exaggerated that in my head when it was all said and done um i, I should have just kept my shit together and uh and and worked hard and did what i could do and finished the contract or being as hurt as i was just said i'm hurt and uh, i need time away from wrestling but i just tried to suck it up and and uh, and and fight through everything do you think they would have honored that if you said hey keep me under contract. You can extend my contract for a year or whatever, but I got to step away for a bit. Uh, I would have, I would have done that now. Would they have done that then? I don't know. I don't know. There, there were times where I'd ask for time's off as I've said this before, like, Hey, I need time off. Like I had to crawl out of the bathtub today into the bed because of my back. And they said, Oh, well, we can't really lose you on the road. Go to the doctor and see what he can do to, to help you out as, as far as that goes. Cause you're a dependable guy that we trust and we need you on the road to work with people each and every week. And, you know, we do house shows three days a week and then TVs and, you know, that that's where this all started. So would they? I don't know. Times have changed a lot now. Fortunately, yeah. the culture has changed. So we, we live in a different day and age. And and I think that's something that is different. And also, too, it just taught me a lot about like manning up and like, like, dude, like, be honest with yourself. This is where you're at. This is what you need to do. Like, I, I get I get as far as being a man and sucking it up and being a man, but there are times too that, that you have to like take a step back and go, like, hold up, like I'm, I'm hurt, I'm fucked up, and I, I need time away, and that's what that's what I need to do there. So my 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 reasoning was to get out of WWE at that time, and then I saw the fun Jeff was having. His schedule was much much lighter. I was still working four days a week, and he had a much lighter schedule, and I, I wanted that, and that is the reason I, I chose to ask for my release at the time. How were you feeling about getting a chance to step outside the walls of Alexandria, as you like to say? I mean, I, I was excited for it. You know, I we did from 92 to 98, six years on the indies. And then, you know, even when I left WWE, I was going to do Ring of Honor. But then I got rehired back by WWE and I still, you know, I, I wasn't afraid. I was excited, I think, if nothing else. It was something new and I was I was hoping to go out and like work less and try and get my shit in line, get my life in line. But really the scheduling wasn't necessarily the problem. The the problem was I was just beat up and I needed to to really carefully monitor this addiction issue I was having. That that was my problem at the end of the day.
how did Vince feel about you forcing your way out here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we never had like, we, we never had like a, a full long conversation. Obviously he had to, he had to approve it at the end. So uh, I don't know, maybe probably disappointed. I, I feel like after you're there and you walk, you work for Vince for a number of years, he feels like you're one of his children as far as a performer goes to some degree, you know, but also he's a businessman and he's like, okay, well, if this is someone that is, you know, making mistakes and he's choosing to, live this way and he's choosing to be this way, you know, then, you know, I've, I've just got to let him go. I'm a businessman. Sometimes you got to cut your losses. Could a proper conversation with Vince have changed things? At, at that time, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think it would have because like, you know, Hey, just let me go home and rest for six months or eight months or whatever. And, and then I'll come back and we'll do it again. And I, I don't even honestly, even saying this here, I don't think I felt like that internally at that time. I'm trying to like put myself in my body then. I, I mean, I think I still wanted to to be wrestling. I just didn't want to be wrestling as much. You were over it. You were over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's burnout, right? That's what burnout is. Oh, it was 100% burnout. I mean, no, no doubt about it. It was 100% burnout. What were your contractions? And also, also, too, physically, I mean, you, you got to think about it. At this point, um, you know, almost 20 years deep as far as wrestling. And, you know, if you look at everything we, we, we did from 1998 on, I mean, we like busted our ass pretty hard. You know, we put our body through a lot of punishment and abuse, you know, and as I've talked about before, like I had to reteach myself after this scenario to work anew, to work in a new way, you know, and it's still like, I can go out there now in 2023 and I can still go have a good match. I mean, we did it with the Young Bucks last week, right? We had that tag match, but it's just different. I can't wrestle now and I couldn't wrestle then like I could wrestle in 1998, 1999. And that's something that was a hard truth that was hard to swallow, but something that you have to swallow. That's also life. As you get older, things change and you have to be able to change and evolve and adapt with them. Just look at Shane Helms and how old he is. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, all, all, all he does is use his mind now. That's all he's got left is his mind. It's true. I just had to get that digging. Um, what were your contractual obligations like upon getting your release? Uh, just nine, 90 day. No 90 complete. day? Yeah, 90, 90 day. No so part of you is like, I need to rest. I need to get in good shape here. I need to wean off painkillers. Yes. But then the other part, but then the other part of you is like, I can't wait to get back out there and do it again. Yes, I mean that, that that's very accurate uh, because I I did I went home and for those few months I was home I I did I weaned off stuff and also too I wasn't putting my body through the abuse I could rest and sleep every night and I didn't have to drive three hundred miles a day and I didn't have to take bumps or you know or I didn't force myself to take bumps nobody was making me take bumps I was taking bumps on my own. But, you know, it, it was obviously much easier. It's just until you've wrestled on that WWE schedule, especially, you know, doing going back to the late 90s when we were doing 10 days on and four days off, it's just hard to explain how physically taxing and demanding that is. Until you've done that, you just it's really hard to understand what wrestling is. When I heard about this AW schedule, they, oh, you know, typically it's like one day a week. I was like, what? You know, that's amazing. You know, and even TNA had a had a semblance of that where, you know, they would 
do their TV stuff. And it was pretty light. Sometimes stuff would be pre-taped and then they would do some house shows here and there. But overall, in the big scheme of things, it was much lighter than the WWE four days every single week. And then you also got days of traveling on top of that. So obviously your brother has the run in TNA in the mid-2000s. But when did they first come on your radar as a place you might eventually want to wrestle in? Was the WWE locker room 2005, 2006, 2007 aware of what was going on in TNA at the time? Uh, I think the locker room was aware, and I think the locker room hoped they would grow. Because everyone wants competition. Everyone wants another powerhouse out there that can somewhat compete with, you know, WWE and with what Vince is doing. And that, that's always been awarded. I mean, because we lost that after the Monday Night Wars. Whenever WCW went away, it didn't do any benefits. It, it didn't give any benefits to anyone in the business that was a performer or even an office employee or anything else because, like, you kind of get into that territory of like the business being a monopoly where there's only one place you can really work. And when there's only one place you can really work, then they kind of get to make all the rules. So you lose a lot of your leverage and you, 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 you lose a lot of your ability to negotiate to, to continue to move up the ladder. I know you pretty well at this point, and And I know that you're a big fan of anything different. And I feel like the mid two thousands TNA product looked aesthetically very different than WWE. You had the six-sided ring. You had the different right. tunnels, the intimacy of the impact zone. Deep down, was that something that was maybe registering in the back of your head as something that could be appealing down the line for you? I mean, yeah, I always thought it was cool. I mean, I, I had already obviously spoke with Jeff Jarrett, you know, back in, you know, 2004, 2005, uh, or 2005 officially, uh, whenever I got released. And there was talks and we were negotiating me to come in to to be doing tna then and i off, was offered a really good deal and things did end up working out where i did go back to wwe but it'd been on my radar especially since then i mean it'd been on my radar ever since it started i'm not gonna lie you know i mean i, I knew it had the ability to grow into something pretty significant much like AEW. when i heard they were starting that i knew it had the ability to grow into something very significant so yeah it's definitely on my, it was definitely on my radar so who reaches out to who first? Are you reaching out to TNA? Is TNA reaching out to you 2011 here? Uh, it was, I had spoke with Jeff and then I had spoke with Dixie. When, and when you, say Jeff, when you say Jeff, you mean your brother or Jeff Jarrett? Because they're both yeah, there. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Hardy, sorry. Yeah, Jeff Hardy. I don't, I don't know exactly what, where Jeff Jarrett was then. I don't know because I, I know he went through some stuff with Dixie at some point. Uh, so I, I, I don't know where it falls in line with whenever I was about to come in then. But I had spoke with my brother, Jeff Hardy, and then I'd spoke with Dixie. We had reached out and she put me in contact with Terry Taylor, who was like their head of town relations. And he was the guy I kind of worked out the deal with. What were your thoughts on Dixie Carter upon meeting her? Uh, very, very nice. Um, very, very Southern. Um, she, she was great. I, I have nothing but good things to say about Dixie Carter. I know so many people like to say bad things about Dixie, but you know, Dixie like enjoyed wrestling and liked wrestling. And uh, she put people in positions to like run the company. And then she was, you know, more or less the, the owner that, you know, forked out the money and paid the bills. Uh, but I always thought she was nice. And I always thought she was very passionate and, and cared about her performers. And once I came back into that next run with them, she was always great to my wife and great to my family. And still like I exchange texts with her in, you know, nowadays, uh, I, I have nothing but great things to say about Dixie Carter. 
at this time, we are about a year into Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan coming into TNA and radically changing the product top to bottom. For a period of time, they tried to go head to head with Monday Night Raw, put impact there in the Monday time slot. Your brother was a big part of that. Didn't work out. They got rid of the six-sided ring, moved to four sides. Visually, it's a totally different product. And you're starting to see the influence from them pretty significantly. Were they involved at all in you coming in from a legitimate standpoint? Not storyline, from a legitimate standpoint? Did you have any conversations with either of them? I didn't, not until I got there. Okay. After I got there, I did. Um, but, 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 you know, it, it was... It was interesting because I, I do think those guys coming there added a lot of star power. I just don't know if it was utilized the correct way, you know. And 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 once again, uh, that was one of my first instances with working with Eric Bischoff, like pretty hand in hand and getting to know him. And I wasn't in the best place in my life, and Eric had called me out on that, and he was right at that time. And uh, you know, I, I will I will state that very strongly he, he was he was right because i was not in the right, right mindset and uh it's been great that i got past that and learn from those mistakes and then get to interact and speak with him later on and have a much better relationship with him now hey he was in your 30 years of matt hardy video called you his favorite tag team partner even how about that you're right we are undefeated uh <laughs> myself and easy e we hold a big uh we hold a, a a big victory over the bucks of youth by the way not for nothing but the three of us, you, me, easy, we got a pretty unique trios team one day if we ever choose to go in that direction. <laughs> there you have it. You know, I got to tell you, you know, Eric does karate and he, yeah. you know, done, he's done some martial arts stuff. He like shoot, almost uh, knocked out one of the butts at the very end of the match with his karate kick. He hit him with a shoot yeah. kick. <laughs> Dude, Eric, Eric is legit. Eric is yeah. legit when it comes to that stuff. He, he knows how to fight. I wouldn't want to be in a fight with Eric Bischoff. That's I got I, I gotta tell you this, John. Myself and Eric Bischoff, we have a better winning percentage than the Hardy Boys. I, I mean, That's I just true. wanted to throw out there. I just just had to That's let true. you know. Absolutely. That's yeah. something you should reconsider, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, but when you get when TNA moved to Monday nights and tried to take a WWE, you were in WWE at the time. What did that locker room think about that move? What did WWE? Yeah, what what did you guys in the WWE locker room think about TNA? trying to take it to you guys i think people at wb uh realistically thought they were maybe putting themselves in a position to not succeed but i i think people wanted them to succeed when it was all said and done it really really tough going up to such an stat going up against such an established product like the wb and you know yeah. wb has been on monday nights for 20 years at that point you know, so it's going to be hard to compete against something that's been around for 20 years and something that is, you know, just entrenched. Dude, I'll, I'll tell in you, modern day pro wrestling. The night that you guys went head to head, I think it was maybe this is off the top of my head, January 4th, 2010, I think was the date. It was electric as a wrestling fan. It was oh, so true. cool because for the first time in 10 years, someone was trying to take it to WWE. WWE throws out Bret Hart's return to TV that night. TNA throws out the debuts of all these big stars like your brother and Hulk and Eric and Val Venus and uh, yeah, a few other people. But it was so cool from a fan's perspective of, wow, like this feels really important. This feels like a big deal on this particular night. 
And as we know, it would last about a month and a half before TNA would pivot out of that strategy. So what was going into TNA? Did you have a sense of how the locker room was perceiving Eric and Hulk at that time? Not not really. Uh, I, not, not going in there. I didn't. You know, Je- Jeff was in a real good spot. Yes. Jeff was one of their marquee stars. You know, so he he was he was very happy there, and and I was very envious of that happiness that he had. So it it seemed like a no brainer for me to to give that a shot, especially upon getting my WWE release. So this week, WrestleMania tickets went on sale, and they flew real fast. So if you want to go to WrestleMania in Philadelphia this coming year, you might have to be doing some last minute searching for tickets. Well, good news. We here at the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy want to help you out through our friends over at Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Hardy for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be a stressful process, but sometimes we just don't know what life is going to throw our way. Sometimes we don't know if we can even go to a game, an event, a show until the last second. That's why. Game time is the absolute best spot to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, especially at the last minute. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. In addition to that, If you want to know exactly where your seat's going to be, well, you can just look at the view from your seat tab and see where you'll be taken in your event. You'll also know exactly how much you're going to be paying for it with their all-in pricing tab. No more hidden fees and taxes. You will know exactly what you're going to be spending on your event. And if you use that promo code, it'll be $20 less than you'd be paying normally. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HARDY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. I've never asked you about your relationship with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan 
one of the more polarizing guys in wrestling history. Maybe the biggest star ever, but as we've seen in recent years, his reputation has taken quite a hit. Where do you stand on Hulk Hogan? Uh, I'm fine with Hulk. I mean, he's he's always been nice to me, and and typically you'll get that for me when I meet people of all different backgrounds, all different belief systems, whatever. If they're nice to me, if they treat me good, I'm okay with them. Um, he he's never done anything wrong to me, so I'm okay with that. Obviously, some of the things he's done in this past, you know, aren't aren't the best. You know, aren't something for everyone to approve of. Um, you know. Uh, they, they do put a negative connotation on his rep and whatnot. But, I mean, as far as my relationship with him personally, he's always been good to me. Okay. I was just curious what kind of interactions you ever really had with him because it's not a name I typically think of when I think of the Hardy Boys. But you waltz into TNA here in January at Genesis. RVD, Rob Van Dam, feuding with your brother Jeff, who is the TNA champion. He's a heel mm -hmm. with Immortal, the group. Before I dive further into that, what did you think of Jeff as a heel in that role? First time ever Jeff's really been presented in that way, something very different for him. What would you think about it? I, I thought Jeff busted his ass, and I thought he worked really hard to get booed and to be a heel and to be different. I, I really admired how hard he tried to be a heel with the Antichrist of pro wrestling, Jeff Hardy. And I actually had little things like we would talk – you know, and have little sidebars about what I thought he could do to like try and, you know, be a better heel and do this and do that. I mean, because he's just a beloved figure in general. So I, I thought he did really good and um, almost feel like his run as a heel is almost underappreciated in many ways. Was it unnatural for him at first? I, I think so. I mean, he, he's just, he's the nicest guy you ever meet. I mean, and that's just very organically, he's just a nice, human being and he wants everyone to be happy around him and he wants to be nice to everyone. He doesn't have a bad bone in his body, you know, so it definitely was different for him to be a hill as opposed to being, you know, the, the white meat baby face that everyone goes nuts for. So RVD's feuding with him and he tells Bischoff, I want Hardy. Bischoff says, you want Hardy? You got Hardy. Rob heads to the ring. And as he's standing there, Matt Hardy makes his entrance. You've got a new look. You've got braids. There's an entrance video that all the, has all these references to social media. Who comes up with the presentation there? What kind of involvement did you have? I want to hear about the look. I want to hear about the gimmick with the social media stuff. Give us some details about that. The the, the social media stuff uh, was something they put together. The, the braids were my idea. I want to do something very drastic and different. And I know a lot of people hate on the braids, and that's probably because the you know, the gimmick didn't end up being successful because I wasn't in the right state of mind to make it successful. But I, 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 I love the braids. I, I like the look. I was a fan of it. It was just very hard. Oh my God. It took so long to like get those braids in and they last, they, they only lasted uh, a few days whenever you would get them. I've got this crazy ass half-ass Samoan hair as it is anyway, this big and crazy. It's like bursting to get out of those braids, but I enjoyed the look. I enjoyed the look of uh, cold blooded Matt Hardy and my mentality was probably also incorrect. Because, like, it's cold-blooded Matt Hardy. I wanted to be someone who portrayed – I was going to be a heel, right? I knew right from the jump. So I, I was going to be someone who portrayed someone who was almost bitter, who felt like he'd been underutilized and abused. And I feel like that was that last year or so that I'd been away from my brother and been in WWE because I felt like they were trying to – you know, they couldn't reprimand Jeff in any way, but they could reprimand me a little bit because they still had me because I was his brother. 
and maybe they were, maybe they weren't. They could be in my paranoia kicking in. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what I wanted cold-blooded Matt Hardy to be. But looking back in hindsight, I should have came in as someone who was still celebrated. It should have been a big deal with me rejoining with Jeff, and it should have been more of an up moment, even if I was a heel. And if I was going to be a, a dickhead and a bad guy, it should have been a big deal with the Hardy Boys reforming like that. And and it should have been played differently. It should have been like this this bitter, low-key guy that isn't happy with, with lower energy. It should have been something more exciting because that, that is what we are at the end of the day as the Hardy Boys. It is a very different presentation for you. You're not emoting a lot. It's very begrudgingly yeah. there in the ring. I think you said cold-blooded was the whole gimmick. It's definitely different for you. You said just before that throughout this run, you were in the best state of mind, but upon arriving there, were you in a good place? You had just been resting for three, four months. Were you in a good spot or were you still dealing with addiction? Were you still out of shape? Give us some perspective here. I, I was in a better spot. I was in a much better spot than when I left WWE. But then too, also after I started working and taking bumps, and beating myself up again, you know, that that led back to like, oh, well, I need some help to get through this again. So I did, I, I did fall back into that pretty quickly. But like coming in there, yeah, I was good. And it was enjoyable. And it was nice to be back with Jeff again. Anytime Jeff and I are together, I feel like for both of us, it, it makes us both happy. As crazy as that sounds. I think just kind of growing up with your brother and uh, having each other's back right from day one. You know, I've been there since his day one. You know, anytime you guys are there and you know you have each other's back and, and you know that you're working together, living the dream, it just it, it makes the whole experience so much better. But I, I think coming in, I, I enjoyed it. But still, as I said earlier in reference, I needed to take a year away and like get my shit together in all capacities. But I took three months away and I got better, but I didn't get to where I needed to be. The debut isn't much special. You do defeat Rob here. But even in the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer kind of echoes a lot of the sentiments that you said with you coming in as a heel. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And that the reaction with you presented as a heel kind of falls flat because people want to cheer you. You're a star. You're a recognizable name coming into TNA and you're going against another star in Rob Van Dam. And it puts the company in a weird position with this particular angle and he de he does note in this as well that you definitely don't look like the Matt Hardy that people were familiar with at the time. Did you feel in that moment that this was a bit of a swing and a miss? Uh, I I remember the opening match with Rob. I was I was happy with it. I didn't think it was fantastic, but I remember being ha happy with it. And I thought it was like a you know a decent start right from the jump. Um, that I want to get in better shape, I, obviously, always. Uh, we always strive to do that nonstop, trying to get in better shape. And, you know, the older you get, the harder it gets as well. But, yeah, I, uh, I I thought it was an okay start, and I just wanted to to continue to go up from there. That was my That was my plan and goal at that time. In the process of joining the company, you join Immortal the group that's overseen there by Bischoff and Hogan. Lots of big names in it over its time. Your brother, the champion, of course. What did you think of the Immortal faction? It was an interesting hodgepodge of guys, for sure. Uh, a, a lot of stuff going on because they 
it was like immortal and like fortune had joined them at that point too right weren't wasn't yeah, it, everybody was it was just massive yeah, it was very mad it was very reminiscent of like the outrageous stable of the nwo back in wcw right really really big yes. um I, I mean i i thought a lot of the ideas were were cool like I, I thought it was cool how you thought abyss was murdering these people uh back back when they were like revealing who the star the whoever did this thing to rv was it rvd if i'm not mistaken and it ended up being jeff right yep and that's when jeff was finally revealed as a hill and i i thought that was a great plot twist you know and they had some stuff like you know with the hogan and bischoff and abyss and jeff but then like you know if you keep adding so much to a group it's hard to like really keep the the focus on a, a certain couple of individuals and and i feel like they probably had that issue in in the immortal plus fortune group Later in the night, Jeff is defending the title against Mr. Anderson. There's a whole bunch of interference. Seven people interfere in the course of this match, including you. And Jeff does lose the title ultimately. How was Jeff doing at this time personally? And I'll ask you this. And on the surface, it might sound like a weird question, but I, I'm curious how you respond to it in hindsight. Was the two of you being together at this time the best possible thing for you guys? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, it was, it was pro, it was probably good. Just because I feel like if we were there, we were probably trying to pull the best out of one another in many ways. And there could be sometimes if we were back at the hotel and Ric Flair stirring up trouble and trying to get the party started, where we could bring out the worst in each other too. I would suggest, especially back then. But you know, one thing that I've taken a lot of pride in is like I never gone to the ring altered even with pills or whatever you know like i've been very on top of that when it comes to that even through my darkest days um so jeff, jeff seemed to be in a good spot he seemed to have a pretty good hold on how he was but from 10 years down the road looking back at that it was he was still in a bad spot and it was a very slippery slope that that him and i were both walking on at that time and was that substances for him primarily? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was just all substances. It was all all, all pills that for for both of us at the time. That's all it was. So it wasn't really alcohol at the time for him. No, alcohol wasn't. We I don't even we hardly drank. If we ever did yeah. drink, gotcha. We didn't. It was it was all substances. It was all uh, muscle muscle relaxers and uh, and pain pain pills. Gotcha. Now I could spend hours going through this run with you in this eight-month period here. But truthfully, there's a lot of individual episodes that we could probably get out of it. So I'm going to save the nitty-gritty de details of a lot of these respective people and matches that we cover here in the next 20 minutes. But any anecdotes that you have, I definitely would love to hear about them. So January 13th, the Hardy Boys reunite just straight up out of nowhere pretty much to defeat Ken Anderson and Rob Van Dam in a tag match with some interference from beer money. And then on February 13th, Rob picks up a win over you in a rematch. I'd love to talk a little bit about beer money here. In my opinion, Matt, one of the most underrated tag teams of their era, Bobby Roode, James Storm. what do you think of the quality work that both of those guys did? And did either of them ever reach their maximum potential in the wrestling industry? Mm, uh, interesting question. I enjoyed beer money. I, uh, I like both those guys, uh, was it, was a fan of their act. 
you know, um, enjoyed what they what they did. And Jeff and I got to work with them a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. uh, probably on some live events. But I, did they reach their full potential? I feel like as a tag team, they, they did a lot, especially at TNA. It would have been really interesting to see them have a WWE run together and how that would have been. Um, as far as single superstars, I don't know. I don't know. They 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 both had the potential to to do great things in the industry, I think, and uh, and they both had to a degree, you know. And it's it's interesting now. I know Bobby Roode's had neck surgery. Is he is he done or he was he, just he, is he, done he was backstage as a producer at SummerSlam. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I I'm I'm not sure what where his career goes from here. Maybe if he if he does make the transition into being a producer, I'm sure he'll be great at that. But yeah, I I do think. They were a, a very formidable and solid tag team. I would have loved to see them have a major run in WWE against a lot of the great WWE tag yeah. teams. I could do a whole episode on how in 2011 I felt TNA screwed up Bobby Roode and had him do a heel run as champion when he was totally tailor-made to do a baby face. I could do an hour on that just alone. But I think, I think him in WWE – was a lot of untapped potential. He was a superstar in NXT doing the glorious gimmick. He makes a transition to the main roster. It's super over. And I just think Vince didn't see it. I really don't think Vince got it. And uh -huh. then as James Storm is concerned, he just never got a proper run in WWE. I think he could have been very successful in WWE too. And you're absolutely right. I would have loved to have seen a tag run with them together too. But I think individually, they're both very, very talented in their own right. James Storm is someone that kind of flies under the radar a lot, I feel, even to this day. You have a lot of respect for James Storm? Yeah. Get along great with James. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of his work. Hey, guys. Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. Conrad sits down with a pioneer of wrestling television production, director Dan Bynum, who discusses his journey through WCW, ROH, MLW, and where it all began for him, world class. What really was the, uh, the thing that, that catapulted it was, one, working with Ric Flair. He came to the territory and wrestled with the Von Erich boys and gave us so much uh, gravitas and two, the greatest feud in the history of wrestling, the Freebird Von Erich feud. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were there at the hottest time with the hottest show, and we took over the world. The Yeti, Ron Reese, sits down with Ad Free Shows members to talk about his infamous night at Halloween Havoc and how it was received by the boys in the back. Oh, no, I remember, like, Arn Anderson told me that that was the drizzling shits, and Dusty Rose was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm just like, hey, thanks. <laughs> That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself. My ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. We'll continue here on the following episode of Impact. Immortal and Ric Flair betray fortune. So on March 13th at Victory Road, you are defeated by AJ Styles. AJ Styles. He was Mr. TNA at this time. What did you think of his role in the company circa 2011? And what were your impressions upon finally getting to work with him? Uh, well, I worked with him 
the very first time in 2005. Very briefly with the Ring of Honor stuff, correct? No. No? Uh, it was for IWC, I oh, want to okay. say. It was an indie stuff. Pittsburgh? Yeah, it was an indie show, and it was a big deal because they – I think they knew too. I'd done my Ring of Honor stuff, but I had this booking, and they knew that he was with TNA, and I would already re-sign with WWE, and we had like this big dream match, which I love. It was uh, a big fan of that match. You should go out of your way to watch it if you've never seen it, John. Um, and then I loved working with AJ, uh, on TNA. AJ was awesome. I, I really enjoyed those matches. Uh, I was feeling good at that time physically, uh, in the match I had with, with AJ. And I was a big fan as crazy as it is. We had a handicap match, which I'm sure you're going to go into next, uh, with myself and Rick Flair versus AJ Styles, which that is in hindsight, one of my most favorite matches ever, just saying that you team with a nature boy against AJ Styles, just such a weird circumstance. Yeah, and we'll we will do an AJ Styles episode at some point, and we'll dive into that much deeper because I think there's a lot of bone to pick at there. But he was face of the franchise as far as I'm concerned with TNA. When I think of that era of TNA, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, he 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 was the heart and soul of TNA. I mean, he's he was like the elite is of AEW. AJ Styles was that of TNA. Now, as we know, this is Victory Road. And Victory Road is the infamous pay-per-view where your brother is not in the right state of mind, and he has the disastrous main event with Sting. Did you take any periphery heat from everything that was going on with your brother? And did TNA, as an environment, enable him in any way at that place and time? I I didn't take any heat because of his actions. I, I remember when someone said, oh, my God, he was struggling to go through grill and i was like oh my god so i remember i was back i just showered from my match whatever and i'd seen jeff and he was fine you know 30 or 45 minutes earlier or whatever so like, all right have a good man kill it i'll come out and watch and then i i like got out there and saw it after he was in the ring you know that's i saw that from a monitor backstage um as far as them enabling it i whether I mean, indirect that, or directly you know was yeah, the environment yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to say but, but because it was one of those deals where he was a big star and, you know, he, you know, like there was a drug testing policy and there's probably been times where people after work had seen him in a state he shouldn't have been in. So he, he definitely probably felt he could relax his body and then go out there and do it. But obviously he did not. He had taken too much of whatever it was he had taken that night. And, uh, and, and it was just, it was disastrous. You know, so that, that in, in in some ways, I mean, he shouldn't he should have never been allowed to walk out through Gorilla. You know, if, if he was in such a weird state of mind, and I remember hearing like there was people saying that he tried to push his way out, he wanted to get out, whatever, and like he really shouldn't have been allowed to get out there. But once again, it puts you in a really strange predicament. I mean, you got this match advertised as your main event, and like you're not sure where he's at or where he's going to be at in a few minutes. I I don't I don't know. Could they have? Possibly. Maybe not directly, but maybe indirectly. So you did see your brother within the hour before the main event? Yes. Probably 45 minutes before. Because it's a pretty well-told story from multiple people that they pretty much could not track him down the entire day. And even leading into the hour before and the minutes before – they had no idea where he was. 
and then he I, saw, I saw him follow, I, I saw him following my match where did you see him um backstage he, he came to me he came to me following our match and just like checked in with me da, 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 da. Oh, okay cool and then maybe he went off and did his own thing then i mean there were so many different like trailers and different places that gasket had it was very very chaotic and uh this sprawling area where guys could go back there and he seemed totally fine when you talked to him oh yeah yeah he was fine he was fine when i talked to him but between then and when he went to the ring he had obviously taken more medication which equated to him not being fine how did you feel after that incident uh sad bad uh, I, I, I hated it for him. Just, uh, just heartbreaking. Yeah. Did you see the match as it was happening live? I did. I, I got up to the monitor right as the match was starting when Eric was coming down. And, uh, I know it, yeah. It probably seems like a blur to you, but do you have any recollections of real time what's going through your head? Uh, it, it does. It does seem like a blur in many ways. No, I, I just uh, it was shocking. You know, it's like one of those things where your heart drops to your stomach and it's just like, ugh, it's just so devastating to watch. And you just hate it for him so bad. But, you know, it's it's what's happened. And now you have to deal with it. So your brother's gone from the company. He's indefinitely gone. And now you're on your own, and you're not in the greatest state of mind either. Was his departure difficult for you? Mm, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, we traveled together. We did everything together. So I'm sure it was. And it, it probably it probably didn't help with my issues at that time as well. You know, it probably made me say a little bit more of like, fuck it. I could kind of, I could kind of see that. Me mentally just saying like, "Oh, well, Jeff's not here," you know, whatever. Fuck it. That's kind of the, when you get in that fog of addiction. Anyway, that's kind of like the mentality you end up creeping into. Is this around the time where you start to feel yourself slip a little bit? I mean, it it, it definitely did in the uh, in the in the next few months upcoming for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I still March and April here. This is where we're in the time period. Uh, I mean, it's still no. It's probably a couple of months. It was it was a couple of months from there before I started really. It, it hit me hard, and I just started slipping and 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 really kind of let myself go. And I just I I remember it was at at that point where I I was kind of like of the mentality of like oh, fuck it, eh. just I didn't care. <laughs> On April 17th, it's lockdown. Immortal is represented by you, Abyss, Bully Ray, and Ric Flair. You're defeated by Fortune, which is James Storm, Kazarian, Bobby Roode, and Christopher Daniels. I just, man, like, talk about talent in a match, right? What a roster. That was, I, I remember that match. I enjoyed that match. And that was like a weekend. We had like a fan fest that weekend. That, that, was, a, that was a fun weekend, an enjoyable weekend, too. Which is what a collection of characters, right? Yeah, a, a lot of Roster. talent in there for sure. Amazing. On April 21st, a few days later, I mean, Matt, this has got to be a career highlight for you, and we're going to talk about it long form at some point. You face Sting for the TNA World Championship. He beats you. 
But I know you were a big Sting guy growing up. I know Jeff especially was a big Sting guy growing up. Not a lot of wrestlers can say they've wrestled Sting for a world title. How'd this one feel for you? It was good. That 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 match was that was great fun. I, I really enjoyed that, and it was cool. Obviously, anytime you get to wrestle somebody that you're watching, it was a big deal when I got to wrestle Undertaker. But like, still, he was Taker was never on the level of Sting was for me and Jeff growing up. You know, Sting was like our our guy, big big fan of Sting, and it's been great getting to know him at, at AAW. You know, too. So that was a that was a, a great deal, and I remember enjoying that match. And I, I remember too how. Sting Thing was like he said well you know i'm just a little older just like he was a little unsure of himself and almost lacked a little confidence so, well, just make sure to talk to me in there talk to me in there and it was just but i i get that i mean the older i get i mean i i feel that way too you just uh you just don't have the same confidence you did when you're young and invincible can you put yourself inside his head for a second here or do the best of your ability do you think there might have been any hesitance to work with you after the incident with your brother a month prior? I don't think so. Nope. I mean, I, I had never, I'd never done anything publicly. Just, they, they had been, yeah, they had been an alert. And and I, I think too, even after that incident happened, Jeff talked to Sting later, and I mean, they they'd been okay directly thereafter. I mean, Jeff apologized profusely, and uh, you know, people have asked that. You know, do you think Sting is you know, has an issue with Jeff Hardy and he, he just hasn't. Sting is also like very much a sweetheart, very much a forgiving guy. And he's very happy with where he is and is and is, is in in his life. And uh, yeah, he, he's always been great. He, he always liked Jeff from day one. And he's uh, always been cool with Jeff, especially after Jeff apologized. I'm sure that was very frustrating. Uh, and, and I'm sure too, it was heartbreaking for him to be in the ring with Jeff Hardy in that state. And uh, he just he moved past it, you know, and, and knew Jeff made a mistake, and Jeff realized he made a mistake, and, and he tried to do the do his best to make up for it. We continue here. The following month, you've got a shot at the World Tag Team Championship against Beer Money, and they wanted the Hardy Boys, but instead, your partner is the returning Chris Harris, who of course is. James Storm's old tag team partner takes place at Sacrifice. Storm and Rude retain. Chris Harris. Knock, knock. Who's there? I'm Braden Walker. Yeah, this is some pretty bad stuff in WWE. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and finish the joke. I'm Braden Walker and I'm what? I'm going to knock your face in. <laughs> Braden Walker. And that one time he was with Matt Hardy on ECW. Um, yeah, what, what do you think of Braden Walker there, pal? Uh, I mean, it, you know, obviously I knew him from that WWE run, uh, when he came there and it was a weird circumstance, you know, they just wanted to try this thing and we just tried to do what we could to make the most out of it. Obviously bring Chris, uh, Chris Harris back, you know, as James Storm's former tag team partner and, and stick him with me and have us have a match against Bionni, you know, one America's most wanted, you know, one of the greatest tag team of, of TNA's early era, you know, versus beer money, the greatest tag team of their current era, you know, and they just try to do something different. So we try to make the most out of it. Underappreciated talent, Chris Harris. I thought he was really, really good in his prime. And I think, unfortunately, his WWE run pretty much unseated any momentum that he had in the wrestling industry. And sometimes that's just how it shakes out, how it works out. So we get into June here, 
and it's clear that some things are a little off. Take us through where you're at in the beginning of summer. This is probably, I was uh, speaking prematurely, I think, earlier. This is where I was at that point where I was just like, you know, I'm kind of in the fuck it mind state where I I just, I wrestled. Uh, I was still banged up. And then I just, I my brother wasn't around. I just still wasn't happy. And I think it wasn't, I think I realized that maybe it wasn't WWE or TNA is it wasn't is is, is what was not making me unhappy. It, it's, it's just it was just me. It was just me in general. I'm hurt. As I said earlier, I need to go away for a year. I need to get my shit together. I need to physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I need to like heal my heal my shit all together and, and get my act together. That that's the realization I was coming to. Because like I was just in that fucking mood where I just didn't care about anything really. It's it's a tough period of time for you. It's a tough period of time. You're going through it. On June 21st, you get suspended reportedly for being late to events. Just a few days later, you had tweeted, between dates, injuries, and outside issues, I'm going to have a few weeks off and I'm ecstatic. The Matt Hardy movement is going into full effect. <coughs> Where are yeah. the late dates coming from? What what's what's going on here? Uh, I missed a flight for a house show and ended up missing a house show. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I was just I, I wasn't on top of my stuff, and also I, ju I just I, I just wasn't happy just because I was physically hurt and because I had a pain pill addiction, muscle relaxer addiction. You know uh, that that was that was my issue, and that is what I had to to ultimately fix and even i remember being suspended even posting stuff like that at that time i remember my mindset was like well i just got to cover for myself until i like get my shit together and that's kind of what i was working on doing and there was a time after that where i realized that i had such a problem i had to do it and i was trying to wean off and change things and not to skip ahead in the story but i'm gonna skip ahead in the story you know i eventually got to the point where i like eventually took a pill less a day of everything and did this. And then I tried to go without doing stuff. Uh, and I was withdrawing from stuff. And a friend of mine said, you should try this. And I've told this in the other story too. And in, in the uh, other episode we've done, he said, you should try this as like a synthetic, uh, synthetic Xanax. It should help you sleep. And it ended up being like a version of a bath salt. And that's where I got into my trouble whenever I got into that car wreck and then ended up getting a, a DUI. That's where that came from initially. But I was making the attempt to get off stuff and try and do things better, but still I didn't do it the right way. And then eventually after that, I was kind of forced into doing it the right way. Well, that brings us to where we are today here, nearing the anniversary of this, August 20th. You get fired from TNA hours after being involved in a single car crash where you hit a pipe in a tree and you're arrested for DUI. You post this to social media, quote, when the side window's glass smashed into my face, arms, and neck, some of the blood that did felt almost angelic. I went from being afraid to die to feeling like I was almost being reborn with sort, some sort of an absolute pure life force. It was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I felt like I just received the blood of an angel flowing inside me. I know this sounds crazy. Due to these, I only have urges to help people, and miraculously, all my vices are gone. Obviously, I, <laughs> I, mean, 
obviously you are not in a right state of mind here at all. This yes. is not a good place for you. So the synthetic drug, that's what put you in this state of mind here? Yeah, I mean, that, that was that was the thing that <laughs> I, a guy had tried to help me out, one of my friends, ex-friends, and uh, it ended up making things exponentially worse. It does make it worse, but you were generally okay after this car wreck? Physically, 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 I was okay. But, you know, just like, you know, mentally, well, once again, mentally and like spiritually, it just, it was time to like go away and, and get better and also take time off of wrestling. And it's so funny. Once I did get my head together, I was so nervous about wrestling in general because I thought, is that going to trigger me back into it? But that's another story for another day, obviously. But that's, you know, when I did start dipping my toe back into the business of pro wrestling, that's where I was very like lack confidence and like i've got to change my style can i still do this and you know there were all those questions circulating because i refused to go back and uh and be a backslider who calls you to let you go uh bruce pritchard what was that conversation like uh i i expected it upon that so it was okay um he was also, I remember he said that he was very disappointed that I hadn't been checking up with him since I'd been suspended or trying to get back on TV or do whatever else. And I think oh, I just kind of, that kind of showed my state of mind that I just, I, like I said, I, I really, at that time, like I didn't give a fuck about anything else except just me, which is the side effect of, you know, going through that addiction and being in the fog of addiction. Well, we're glad that you came out on the other side of it and that you've powered yourself to a better place. You got a couple minutes to answer a few questions here about this, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's let's uh, get into this here. Valerie asks, how would you have booked your TNA debut differently if you weren't RVD's mystery opponent at Genesis? I would have booked the TNA debut as reteaming with my brother. I, I think people would have known if Jeff was going to have a mystery partner, but I would have had the Hardys come back out and I would have presented them as a big deal together as a unit. That's that's how I would have done it. A wrestling historian wants to know, how many years was your contract for prior to the legal issues? Uh, I signed for three years when I first signed with TNA. So okay. it, was a, it was a three-year deal that I signed with. What was the money like on it? It, it was good. Uh, it, it was really good and then I, it also allowed me to do outside things too as well so it was it was a good deal what does really good mean for that because i'm genuinely asking because i have no context as to what a tna contract in 2011 looks like uh yeah i, I think it was uh it was around three hundred thousand. oh wow and then you could do yeah. stuff outside of wrestling as, uh, as well it was upwards towards three hundred thousand. i think it, it gained a little bit each year that's yeah i mean that's pretty good that's pretty good there uh, let's keep going on. Josh Clark Parker. Hey, Matt, did you decide to stop using the braids as it reminded you of this time in your life and you wish to move past it? Or was it simply a case of deciding against the look itself? I was just curious as it was a fairly short-lived look, but you pulled it off well. No, I mean, I, I, I as I said earlier, I enjoyed the look. Uh, it's just such a hassle to do. It would take 
two hours to do that. And it had, it would have to be done every week. It was just like a lot of upkeep, uh, for, for my hair in particular and the way that I want to do it, especially cause I was putting different colors in it and whatnot. So no, I, I, I love the look. I, I, I don't have as much hair as I used to then. I, uh, I wish I had a, a bunch of hair like King Maxwell, you know, I'd still rock the braids every now and then I'd sit down in the chair for two hours and get them done. Kyle wants to know, was there a talent at the time in TNA that you didn't work with that you wish you did? Hmm. I don't, I, I mean, one of the people I would say that I would have liked to work with, it's so cool that I got to work with Ric Flair. It would have been nice to work with Hulk Hogan just to actually check that off your bucket list. Cause that's something that I never got to do like in, you know, cause he had a match here and there. It was like a special occasion, but I guess that would be the one person I would say it would be nice to, to have on your list of people you've actually had a match against. Sure. Dylan, when you were in TNA, how did merchandise work? Did Matt have to sell it on his own or was it like WWE where they had their own machine to push out the merch and then you guys get a check that quarter? They, they, they had their own machine to, to push out their own merch. They did that too. And uh, let's see here. This is one coming from B13 Nerdcast of Randomness, who we saw at Kowloon, who you gave the future father advice to. So we thank you oh, for yeah. that. Very he good. Asked, who was it to make sure you got the help you needed? Was it Dixie, TNA Management, Rebby, or yourself? I, I would say more than anybody else, it was it was Rebby. She was on my ass. Like I realized I had to go as well, but I mean, she was on on my ass, which I needed at that time, and I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I would say more than anybody else, it was Rebby, uh, and. WWE also stepped in and ended up flipping the bill for the rehab too. Last question here comes from our super fan, Brad Wise. It says, Matt, what would you tell this version of yourself? You know how people want rewind buttons or do-overs, but obviously can't. What would you say? Yeah, those rewind buttons aren't real. Uh, you can't. The only thing you can change is uh, the present and going forward, right? Um I mean, if I look back in hindsight and I was talking to that guy, I would say to begin with, take time off, accept that you, your body is never going to be the same as it was 15 years ago, change the way you wrestle, uh, get away from relying on pain pills and muscle relaxers to be able to go wrestle. And if you can't get away from those pain pills and muscle relaxers to, to wrestle, then you need to stop wrestling. That would have been my advice to that guy. Good advice all around, Matt Hardy. Glad to see you on this side of things, kicking ass week in and week out in AEW and in general, thriving in life. It's a good spot to see you in. Grateful I get to do the show with you every single week. And I know there's many more to come because Matt Hardy is in a damn good spot in life right now. Am I wrong with that? You are correct. That's Matt Fact. Not that is Matt Fact. Matt. Absolutely, my friend. Matt Fact. Matt Fact. Matt Fact. Matt Fact. <laughs> Matt Fact. I had to do five, single, five, single, five. Of course. You have to stay strong with the gimmick. I get it. And we'd love to have you part of our gimmick here. Head on over to advertisewithhardy.com. Promote your business to the extreme by getting it out in front of thousands of people every single 
week on this podcast. Make sure that you are teaming up with us because we would love to team up with you. Matt, I know you got a busy day ahead. You got a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match to watch. There's a lot going on. I don't even know what that is, John. (laughs) Anything else you'd like to throw out there? I know that's uh, that. that I, I'm good. I it's nice. It's always cathartic, kind of looking back in these times and just reminiscing of where you where you've been, how you've grown, and uh, how much better life is when you when you do it the right way. So no, I, I enjoyed these episodes. Absolutely, the words have been spoken. We'll see you next week right here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Stay. Stay.